I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who always turn the other cheek when cleaning up tenants. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's Wood Talk number 444 for September 3rd, 2018. Before we get into the uh, show topics, I just want to say we didn't quit. I know some people were probably excited about it. You know, they didn't want to get too excited because you never know. We might just pop up in your feed again, but we're back. And uh, I figured it it deserves a little bit of explanation, guys, because we kind of uh, put a date in the last recording that said, hey, we'll be back on like August 20th or something like that. And that did not happen. So uh, here's the thing. We did have our summer scheduled break and that you guys knew about. And literally the moment we were set to hit record and start recording a couple weeks ago before IWF, um, we got the terrible news about Nicole's father and we could not record. And then the week after that, Matt and I were both at IWF in Atlanta, so we couldn't record then. So here we are finally uh, trying to get back on schedule. Everybody's asking me. And I actually, I actually did quit. So well, well, then we had to raise, we had to give him more money, you know, and now Shannon's back because he's getting like 50 cents more an hour. So for now, the next wage that's right i'm making 55 cents an hour now it's awesome yeah i think he's gonna start a union too it's gonna be a whole Uh headache so (laughs) (laughs) So, i'm just picturing just me with a sign marching back and forth (laughs) 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 but it would be a handmade sign damn it oh man you ever watch seinfeld where kramer uh was striking for like 10 years from the bagel place and then everybody else got jobs and he was that's why he wasn't working because he's been on strike for 10 years <laughs> that, that would be what you would be like because nothing would ever happen um anyways all right <laughs> so so that's what's been going on we are glad to be back we did not quit we're here we're, we're large and in charge and ready to do shows as per usual until our christmas break which i think will start in maybe like october <laughs> can we do that <laughs> Oh, dedicated to the show. We got to keep up with like the department stores and things like that. You know, yeah. once yeah. the pumpkins are off the lattes, it's time to bring out the Christmas lights. Yep. Got to do it. All right. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, let's see what we did, of course, on our summer break. And look, we've got a lot of topics here, a whole bunch of voicemails. We did not delete anything. Some of these might be a little bit old, so uh, bear with us. But uh, we've got lots of voicemails to answer, and we'll get try to get to all those topics as we go. Uh, I should mention that today's show is sponsored by our good friends at Bruce O'Hara. Hardware. If you're looking for inspiration on your next project, you really should sign up for their newsletter. I'm signed up for it, and it's the uh, Photo Extra newsletter. Uh, it showcases the dedication and craftsmanship of your fellow woodworkers with things like keepsake boxes, humidors, and of course, furniture. If you want inspiration delivered straight into your inbox, then sign up at brusocom photo extra. And hey, I just finished a desk, and it had a door, and that door had hinges, and those hinges were Brusso knife hinges. And my gosh, did they install perfectly, guys? I made no mistakes. I think I've done this enough times with knife hinges that I could finally do it and not screw something major up. So the door works perfectly. I'm sitting next to it right now. And I know you can't see this and you can't hear it because they don't squeak. But I'm turning, I'm opening the door and closing it repeatedly right now. Oh, it's nice. It's really nice. 
that's good stuff, right? All right, so go to bruso.com slash photo extra and you can check that out. Uh, I also want to thank some folks here who helped us out on Patreon. This is patreon.com slash wood talk. And if you want to help out the show, we'll thank you at the top of the show like a bunch of people. We're a little backed up here. Uh, we've got Dominic Blasco, Craig Norton, uh, Gordon White, Jay Garcia, Jim Freeman, Jesse Tolan, Elizabeth McCarty, Tony Kluka, Klucka, uh, James O'Rourke, Alan Eric, Michael Falbatros, and Eric Monson. So thank you so much, folks, for helping us out. We appreciate it. And uh, if you sign up there, there's uh, some extra stuff that you get in return as a thank you. Um, and uh, we'll mention your name at the top of the show, just like that. So patreon.com slash woodtalk. And gentlemen, we're all pent up. All this excitement. We had all summer to do stuff. I would hope that that at this point, we we both or all three of us have a major list of things we've accomplished in this time. So let's see if that's true. Uh, I finished a desk, <laughs> which I think I started in like January. So that's an accomplishment for me. Um, so it's the big, you guys have probably seen it. If you follow me on Instagram, it's a big executive desk all made out of cherry. Uh, it took a long time just cause I had a whole bunch of things going on while I was trying to build this thing, but it is in place. I'm very happy with it. I will say that one of the things I was really looking forward to was the routing of the wires so that I don't have my little mixer for wood talk sitting on top of the desk. And right before we go to record, I try to fire everything up and nothing's working because I went with longer cables so that, and they're the same cables, the same type of cables. They're just a little longer and suddenly nothing works. So this great desk that I, you know, this was like my big moment to have this like beautiful, clean, open desk with nothing on it. Well, now it is littered with wires, a mixer, microphone, all kinds of crap because I, I couldn't get this show to record without doing this. So sometimes things just don't work out the way you expect them to. Should have quit. Just should have quit. We really should have quit. I mean, that would be the answer to this. So uh, super excited about it, though, guys, because it's I mean, you guys know how much time you spend sitting at a desk. Uh, It's not all just like it's not all just, you know, working in the shop. Right. In order to to do what we do, the the price we pay is sitting at this computer for a long period of time. Uh, So it's nice to have a a comfortable place to do that. I'm super excited about this desk. I I am curious. You went through the whole bleach process on those panels. I did. Um, Any change? Because it has been. I mean, that was what? April, May, when you did that bleaching? Yeah, well, it's a little soon. It's a little soon because I did all of my surface prep, even though the bleaching was done a long time ago. Surface prep for finishing was done, which would have knocked some of the color back. Uh, So it's a little soon to tell, uh, but I don't know. It's a good point. One of the things I did was bleaching these panels, my theory being that they would stay lighter over time and the rest of the wood would darken. So uh, check back in like six months and I'll let you know. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm really looking forward to my iMac leaving a very nice light spot under the stand. <laughs> right? I don't know how that's avoidable. I mean, I can move it every day and hope that it like tans evenly. Um, but I know there's going to be a tattoo of a light spot on there that's just going to be unavoidable and unfortunate. So never, never change the computer. That's it. I can, I can always yep. have an iMac there. And I'll be fine. You need like a like a marquetry panel that says "computer goes here" yeah. right there on top. <laughs> That's, that is what I <laughs> just need. embrace it. You know, actually, you know what I have? I did buy the Visa mount adapter. So if I come up with some kind of a Visa mount, then I don't have a stand. Maybe that's the solution. Hmm. I yeah, think about that. Wood talk will never work. That's right. The, everything that's will just, I won't be able to edit video. Just to change one Nothing thing, will work. it just falls apart. Uh, So in addition to the desk, of course, uh, IWF happened. That was a big event in Atlanta, the big show with all the CNC tools and the big industrial machines. And that was a blast. I got to meet a bunch of people at the Typon booth. We gave away books. I signed a bunch of books. We had a big meetup. Matt was there. And uh, I'll tell you what, look, (laughs) and, and I should have known this based on how things go in the show sometimes where Matt's silent and it's his turn to talk. But we walk into Highland and we were late. Don't blame us on me. No, I'm not blaming it on you. I'm just pointing out how terrible you are. Um, oh, okay, great. So, this is good. so we walk into Highland and we're 20 minutes late because of, uh, first of all, Highland is not like right near the venue. It was, it was like we're downtown and had to make it all the way to Highland via Uber. Uh, we had all just gotten from the show. So we're starving, right? So we wanted to stop for dinner. Had plenty of time. But we stopped at this little bar that's like burgers and wings and they took forever. It was like, why is this place taking so long? And we wound up being uh, 20 minutes late to this event. So we walk in 
And there's people standing all around and you could hear a pin drop. It was so uncomfortable for that initial thing that was supposed to happen there. <laughs> so me, April and Matt are kind of together when we walk in and I, I say a few things just to try to get things going to try to lighten the mood. And then Matt is just silent. No help at all. No help at all. He could have, he could have been like, Hey guys, I got a bandsaw mill. Look at me. But he didn't say anything. So it was super yeah. awkward. I was watching a car wreck, you know, <laughs> he's just enjoying the surprise. <laughs> you didn't story the moment for me. Um, but after that awkwardness was over, uh, we had a chance to meet everybody and everybody was so uh, nice and uh, gracious and seemed to appreciate, um, you know, the fact that we were able to have the event and stuff like that. It was it was a total blast to meet everybody. So thanks to everybody who came out to that event. Uh, we had a really good time. They made it a success. And I'll tell you what, I don't think we're ever going to do it at something like Highland again, because I think people expected a more official sort of presentation and didn't know that this was just going to be a super casual meetup. You know what I mean? Like the, the having I was it going to learn how to cut dovetails. <laughs> yeah. I honestly think some people expected some kind of a, a demo. Now, when you have these meetups at a restaurant or a bar, it's so it, it's implied that it's casual. We're not there to do woodworking. I did get the impression that some people might have expected us to like have a talk of some sort. And that's not what the event was supposed to be. It was just a meetup. So uh, live and People learn. don't know you very well, do they? <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I mean, who would really think that was going to happen? Come on. There was, yeah. there was plenty of talk. My voice hurt. Oh, yeah, there was talking. As soon as that silence was over, there was plenty of talking. Eventually. Yeah, so uh, that was about it for me. Um, Shannon, how was your summer vacation? Well, I didn't get to go to IWF. There was like five other people in my company who went to IWF, but oh, I didn't really? get to go. But that's all right. They went and spent a whole lot of money down there. I told them to come look you guys up, but I don't think they left the like any any tools less than about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> they were over. <laughs> we're we're building like a whole new millwork facility, so they're like buying production size tools. Oh that, yeah, they had like, those there. Oh yeah, yeah, like the tool, like you get it delivered on a on an eighteen wheeler. And yep. it's the only thing on the 18 wheeler is that tool. Oh, <laughs> they pull it out of the back of the container and that's it. So they bought a few of those things. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that was an entirely because when I talked to them about the show and then, you know, looking at social media and talking to you guys about your experience of the show, it's two very different shows. <laughs> Yeah, they went to a very different type of show <laughs> than I saw, like, you know, April attending and Matt attending. First of all, they didn't run through any fountains. I know that. Yeah. So not many people did. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. They just hate yeah. fun. So, yeah, it, it, it sounded like it was a good show. And it sounded like that show has really gained its momentum back. Um, it's just gotten bigger and bigger. It was so huge. And then it was like dead for a while. Yeah. Um, wasn't quite as bad as what's the other one? AWFS. AWFS, I think. Yeah. yeah. But so, yeah, it's good news. Um, I went up to Maine and did all kinds of little things for my in-laws, just silly little things. Like I made a paper towel rack, like the iconic woodworking project. <laughs> I made a paper towel holder because they didn't have one in the kitchen. And my mother-in-law like was just disgusted with herself. She keeps an incredibly neat kitchen. And she was like, like, abusing herself because she had just a paper towel roll sitting on the counter. She's like, Oh, it's just, it's so disgusting. I was like, well, do you want a like a roll for it? It's like, Oh yeah. And suddenly she's like, I want it to look like this and this and this. And you know, it ended up being a dowel stuck in a board basically. But you know, I made that, um, I fixed, uh, uh, some finished stuff that I had on their deck and things. And, but the cool part was, is I built that workbench up in Maine last year built a couple tiny little projects on it, but never really got a chance to work on the workbench. Mm -hmm. So it was just really kind of gratifying to go back, first of all, a year later and see, you know, nothing fell apart, <laughs> nothing like exploded. Uh, any potential wood movement issues were anticipated. And frankly, with that design, you really don't have any wood movement issues to anticipate. But when you're building something with kind of wet construction lumber, you kind of don't know, like a year from now, you can hope that you did it right. So it was yeah. really good to see that it was just as stable as it as it you know was when I left it, and nice. it was just a lot of fun to just go to work on the thing. And just even though I was building paper towel holders, and uh, I I did build one of those. Um, I built like an iPhone stand, I, iPad stand, technically for my father-in-law. So it was just it was just fun. It was like doing stupid little projects, um, but getting to work on the workbench that they made, which I really enjoyed. Um, 
I finished a mirror, did that on summer break. And then I pulled out the lathe, the electric lathe, because unfortunately my Barnes lathe is still broken and I haven't found a blacksmith yet who wants to touch cast iron. So if you are a blacksmith <laughs> that works in cast iron and wants to braise metal, give me a call because I, I, I need you. So um, I pulled out the jet lathe and this is kind of a reason that I keep that thing around for like small turnings and stuff. But I was turning legs. So I had to get out the jet lathe and the extension to make you know, 29 or excuse me, uh, 26 inch long legs, but I make the legs a little bit longer because they have that square, um, top for the mortises. And then the, the, what's that thing called the pommel, the transition from the square part down to the turn part. So I always leave the square part a little bit long for chopping out the mortises and stuff. So I had to have this extra length and I hadn't pulled the extension out in years. And of course I put that in cold storage and covered it in all the anti-rust stuff. And it is just shocking like how difficult it is to take some of that stuff off. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just Bowshield T9, but like the long-term application where you like spray it on really thick and just let it dry. <laughs> right. And it comes off with mineral spirits with like eight coats of mineral spirits. <laughs> that is not going to rust. You can feel certain that your stuff is not going to rust. Mm -hmm. It wasn't quite as obnoxious as like a new Grizzly tool, like dipped in Cosmoline. But yeah, it was a- uh, It's pretty goopy. It was- it, it took a fair amount of like actual like stiff bristle brush scrubbing to get it all off and get it back to the metal so then I could apply a paste wax over top of it. So yeah, if anybody ever is like facing a like a long-term multi-year storage of a cast iron uh, or, or ferrous tool that's going to rust, mm -hmm. don't hesitate, man. <laughs> Boshield T9, thick coat, that stuff is amazing. Nice. So then I turned a bunch of legs and I actually... Um, long time been a fan of easy wood tools, um, just carbide tools in general, but easy wood tools are the ones that I have. But the problem that has that I've always faced with them is their detailing tool is a, not a fine enough point. And some of the stuff that I, I want to do with like typical uh, spindle turning, leg turnings and things like that, you end up having to do it with a skew chisel. And granted, I'm okay with a skew chisel. I could be better with a skew chisel if I just practice a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But um Rebecca DeGroot brought to my attention, she's Easy Wood Tool spokes lady, brought to my attention that they now have this micro detailer, like in a normal length, not the tiny little micro tools, but I guess they call it the mid-size micro detailer, because that's confusing. Mid-size um, micro, but it's, perfect. Yeah, mid-size micro tool detailer, but it comes down to like a pinpoint. So the, the regular detailer is like this um, double-sided trying or diamond shaped cutter and you flip it around and you have two cutting edges, mm -hmm. but there's a slight radius on the tip. The micro one actually comes to a point. Um, and it is just awesome. So I was able to turn, um, federal style, like Sheridan style legs using nothing but my carbide tools. And that's always been, you know, the, the, you always, you never could quite go all the way. You could maybe do a bowl, you could do um, less intricate type stuff with the carbide tools, but you always needed to grab a skew chisel, you know, or uh, some other traditional tool. And I was able to do the legs from stem to stern with the carbide tools. So that was nice. It's kind of surprising it took them so long to come out with that. I don't know whether they, it was too brittle. Maybe they had done some re um, mixing. <laughs> Yeah, of, yeah, the, yeah. of the the steel recipe or whatever it is, the carbide recipe. You could tell how much I know about metallurgy here. Remixing, I love it. <laughs> Remixing. <laughs> They're rejigging you know, it. It's, they added a little, a jigger, a jigger of chromium yeah. or something like that. You know, little known fact, uh, when Matt was in high school, he worked at a car wash and his uh, his nickname there was Midsize Micro Detailer. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's the, you know, that's yep. just things uh, I know from I, our friendship I together. I doing this show. <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome you know the funny thing is you're talking about this uh uh you know the the scraping tools and the carbide tip tools and i spent a week uh with ashley harwood and i i can't right. i can't a say yeah i can't say <laughs> yeah. that i didn't walk away from that experience looking at my easy wood tool sitting on the wall going that's some that's crazy. Who uses that crap? You know, it's like, but there, I mean, watching what she's able to do with a properly sharpened edge, it's, it's an art form. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. So it was just interesting, like going into a deep dive into the world of people who probably would never pick up one of the carbide tools. It was just interesting. Well, and I think it's, it's key to say that 
a skew chisel is so much more capable yeah. and it produces a better cut. Um, I just don't work with it enough. I mean, that's what it comes down to. If I were to just set everything aside and just turn a bunch of legs, you know, um, or just got into nothing but Windsor chair making, I probably would put down my carbide tools because I can't resharpen them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they stay pretty sharp for a while and you can rotate the cutters and all that stuff, but there's nothing you cannot beat like roughing from square to round with a roughing gouge. Nothing works faster than that. Yeah. Um, and, and when you're doing, especially with like, uh, like Windsor style legs, you've got a lot of kind of really acute inside corners and things. The skew chisel is just awesome. And I'll have these moments where it's like this Zen moment and it's just working. And then 20 seconds later, all hell breaks loose. You know? And it's just like, and I, I just can't afford get, to start over because it yeah, will ruin yeah, yeah. the leg when you do that, you know? And, and there are times when you get a, you get a, a gouge or something and you can just turn it like slightly smaller. But when you're making four identical legs, you really can't do that. You know, it becomes pretty obvious that that, that bead is, is a half inch thinner than yeah. the one next to it. So yeah, it's just the way I look at it is easy, easy wood tools are kind of like my my uh, shortcut, my, my no fail solution. Well, you're, you're absolutely sure right. I've got I mean, lots of other stuff to do. When I, I turn, what, once or twice a year? Like if I need a furniture part? What? And, and what? You don't. Yes, once or twice a year. Listen, kid. What are you talking about? Once shut, or twice shut your face. since the wood whisperer started. <laughs> yeah. I have Ashley Harwood come to my He's shop and turn things. Vampire <laughs> spikes, all right? <laughs> <laughs> that's not true i made a little pin to go in the back of the morris chair like two years three years ago okay back off you guys <laughs> <laughs> you made a dowel in other words it's basically a dowel you know that's fine okay shut up uh matt oh. what'd you do all summer oh man <laughs> uh i'm kind of plied around with the sawmill again it's been mm. uh it's been nice out and uh, what did it do? How long has it been? When did we stop doing this? July. July. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So in July, I was getting the the mill put back together. I had it sitting up there, kind of disassembled and not really working since I took it apart last August to paint it. So in July, I got it put back together, finished up a lot of little details. Um, I finished up the lifting mechanism, so that's all done. And I've been kind of using it and cutting up logs, which has been a lot of fun. One thing that I really missed about having the thing running and just like doing stuff outside the shop is just the exercise getting off my butt. I feel so much better after like a day of actually moving around, lifting things and just being more physical than I do like a day sitting at my desk editing and then maybe go in the shop to film something. Yeah. Like that's, there's, that does not drain me physically, mentally. Sure. Not physically. So those days where I'm out there using the mill and actually cutting stuff and moving the logs around and moving the slabs around, I sleep so good that those nights and <laughs> like I feel a so much better the next day. Yeah. Like I just feel so alive. It is, and, you know, do you, do you have like a fitness watch or anything like that? No, no, I don't. Those things are funny in that they make you realize, like for instance, you have a full shop day and like a real shop day moving things around or in your case, moving lumber, how physical of an activity that is. Uh, which is great because like right now I've been on the computer most of the day and my watch was very kind to remind me uh, like, like a little, it's like a little jerk wrapped around my wrist going, you know, your activity ring is usually further along by this time in a day. And I'm like, well, screw you. I'm busy. So I'm working. I got to pay the bills. Right? <laughs> I'm working over here. Um, but I would imagine, I mean, that's, that's the funny thing about woodworking. It is such a physical activity. Uh, but when you start doing things like counting calories and steps with one of these goofy watches, you start to realize, wow, actually, you know, you spend the full 10 hour day woodworking in the shop. That is a, a fairly physical activity. That's good. Even the shop days, like the stuff that I make and the, the stuff like when we're in the shop now, it's not about just like moving around. We're woodworking the whole time. It's like, you make a little cut, you move a camera around, you set up <laughs> yeah. some kind of shot, you think about what you're going to say next. It's not nearly as physical as like normal production work would be either. Yeah, yeah, it's slower. So just getting up there and just doing something besides sitting on my butt or standing on place all day, <laughs> it's incredible, yeah. the difference. It's good. It is. And then the other thing I'm working on is that sideboard thing. But, oh, you yeah. know, that's, thing. that's in the shop. Whatever. It's all right. It's looking good though. So you got that going. It's coming, it's coming along. You know, we got all the framework done. Took care of that this week. And now we're going to start adding the panels. So it's actually going to look like an actual box and not like a frame, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is kind of weird. I haven't done a whole lot of frame panel stuff in my career as a woodworker. So this is kind of a new 
type of experience for me. It's uh, there's a lot more parts in frame and panel. Oh sure. It's kind of it's kind of annoying. That's the thing that I don't like about it so far. It's just there's so many parts. Yeah. Like if you're doing a case, you got you know four pieces of wood makes a whole case. Well, frame and panel for the four sides is like what? Uh, sixteen plus twenty-two. Yeah. No, twenty. Twenty parts for that. Ugh. Panels. Ugh. That's right. It's good, but it looks great. It's worth it. It looks great. It's gonna look better with those panels in there. It'll look better when it's done and out of my life. It's gonna look more shakery. More shaky. Shake. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the right way to say that is it more shaky? <laughs> more shaky? Yeah, it's gonna. I think it's gonna look pretty good. I think it will appease those more simple. I don't know, simple styling type yeah. of people that like that kind of stuff. Cool. More simple people. <laughs> Sim- you know those simple-minded folks. <laughs> uh, you know, you know those people. That's it's, good. It's dude. A little bit more, you know, clean lines than most things I've done, I guess. Sure. So what else? Anything but else? But I'm still going crazy with it with the crotch panels. Well, so. of course. I saw those panels and they're going to look insane. It's In freaking ridiculous. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Although, that's, where, that's where it's not shakery, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. The celibate but, nature of shakers do not like crotch wood. <laughs> ah, that's funny. I get it. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did have one like, I don't know, one of those gut-wrenching realizations. You know, like, oh, crap i really screwed this one up so when i laid out those those uh blanks for all the panels i didn't realize that the panels for the sides are wider than the ones for the doors so i cut those blanks to be the size for the doors so now they're too small to be the size for the sides Mm. so now i'm wrestling with the idea of like what do i do now like the easiest way to do to to go would be just to use different panels for the sides sure but uh, I was really hoping to have this like crotch wrap thing going on with the crotch figure going all the way around the case. Yeah. So my other option would be to add two racing stripes to the sides of the panels <laughs> or to, <laughs> to make all of the components that make up the depth of the case like an inch shorter and recut all the drawing on all of those parts. And as we just discussed, there's a lot of freaking parts in front Yeah, yeah. So that's uh yeah that's where I'm at right now with that one. I got a I got like an inch too short. So we'll story see. story of my life. Um, all right. So <laughs> should inch we? Too short. <laughs> uh, you guys want to get into game in high school? <laughs> yes, that was. Um, do you want to get into what's new? I think we got some stuff here. This feels old now because we did this what two weeks ago. We were going to talk about this. Uh, so the making it TV show is out. Is it? St- I imagine they haven't like had a winner yet, right? Mm-hmm. It's still, the season is still going. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just were they're on to the finals now. So there's like one more episode left. <clears throat> so this, yeah. if, if you're not familiar, this is a Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler hosted show that is very much crafty. And I think a lot of people, because Nick Offerman was in it, just assumed it would be very woodworking focused. And while there's like a woodworker or two there, it's clearly just focused on general craft right and uh and making things um so it's interesting to always you know to read those things like on facebook where the woodworkers are complaining about it <laughs> it's like i don't know what you thought this was going to be but uh clearly your expe- expectations were off uh but it's funny i've i've seen some of the clips i've seen uh, maybe half of an actual episode it seemed like a pleasant enough show i mean you can't go wrong with the with the two hosts Pleasant enough. Pleasant enough show for you know for these reality shows that seem to be all over the networks and still I can't believe yeah. it, they're still a thing, but it is what it is. Well, what I what I like is it's something that's makery, not shakery, makery, shaky. Um, is, is the that correct both? <laughs> sorry, it's it's makey. It's it's, makey. it's yeah, a makey, makey show that both my wife and I can watch. You yeah, know, because yeah. if I if I put woodworking on, she just rolls her eyes. You know. Um, but there's, there's some design elements to this. Um, it's got that reality show moment where you want to just like wring the judge's neck most of the time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think, uh, Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler do a good job. Um, they're, they're funny. They're corny in certain parts, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. And there's, there, there is one woodworker on there and they're constantly like, you know, giving him a hard time. Um, and actually there were two woodworkers on there. <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert! And one of them got eliminated early because, frankly, she was just too artsy. Like yeah. her stuff was just too cool. 
<laughs> it just wasn't like mainstream enough. And they kept telling her to like change things, which frankly translated to, you need to dumb this down a little bit more. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I have, I have, if you can't tell, I have watched um, every episode so far because oh. my wife loves the show. So it's like, hey, I'll sit down and watch it. And it's entertaining. Um, and there are, you know, now that we're to the finals, there's actually a person still in it that I'm kind of hoping will win. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, worth, uh, it's worth, you know, a bowl of popcorn and a binge watch if you grab it off Amazon or whatever. Anything that allows me to eat popcorn, I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. Let me some popcorn. Uh, did you put this Veritas shooting thing in here? Oh, yeah. Um, that was just brought to my attention a couple days ago. Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of a, a, a cool thing. Veritas has, you know, they came out with those shooting board tracks a while ago, the aluminum tracks with the, the ultra high molecular weight tape and everything on it. And you could build your own shooting board and just kind of screw down this track and it's got the fence and everything on it. And I ended up, excuse me, buying one of those a while ago and I made specifically because they have like a 24 inch long one. So I made this just monster shooting board specifically designed for like case panels and things and chewing up the ends. But um, they've just gone one step further and now have created like a fence system um, so you can actually buy a shooting board, which I'm not exactly sure what the board itself is made out of. I'm sure it says, but it, it looks wood. It's probably a, you know, really, yeah, it's a, a, a Baltic birch plywood. Um, but they've added that track to it, and they've added this um, rotating fence idea. So if you're somebody that does a lot of work with angles and um, really needs to refine those angles. This is awesome because it's got the detents at 0, 18, 22 and a half, 25.7, mm-hmm. 30, 36, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, you can make anything from like 10, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, three-sided objects. So um, that's always kind of a cool thing to have around because one of the things that I've found with a lot of shot-made shooting boards, if you're trying to make it adjustable to a bunch of different angles, just over time, they tend to just break down they tend to not hold that angle as well um, because it just doesn't have – and the ones that do usually have some machined element to it that won't wear out. Um, and this is really taking what looks to be like a miter gauge on a table saw without the little thing that goes in the, the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool because they say it has a gyratory handle. Gyratory? <laughs> it's gyratory. So, yeah, you can um, you could get the whole shooting board or you can just get the fence or you can just get the track and build your own. So it's just another, you know, very ultra premium shooting board option, but definitely one for somebody that does a lot of angles in their work. It basically if looks you're just like looking a, for a 90 degree shooting board. This is a bit overkill, like way overkill. Yeah, well, it looks like a miter gauge, the, the thing that you're yeah. adjusting the angle with, which you can get an idea for how precise you can get with those different angles. Two hundred and fifty bucks, too. Yeah. I don't know why that strikes me as a lot, but I guess just buy a miter gauge and use that. Okay. I'll try that. <laughs> <laughs> How much is one of like uh Tico's basic uh shooting boards? Or who's the other guy? Is it Ever Ever Everfall Studios or something? Who's the other dude that makes the shooting boards? I have one. Can't remember the Evenfall. 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 What do I know? <laughs> It starts with an E, right? And I said fall. Um, What do they go for? They're probably about the same price, aren't they? Maybe. Over 200? I haven't looked in a while. Neither have I. But either way, that's uh, that's a pretty cool. Cool Cool-looking thing. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's no doubt it's expensive because it's something that you can easily buy or excuse me, easily build in your shop. But, you know, if you make frames like and your work involves weird angles, mm -hmm. this will add that precision that I think you're going to have a hard time matching with a shop made shooting yeah. board. Cool. All right. So let's get into our kickback. So we got a bunch of voicemails here. I think we'll kick it off with John's voicemail. Hey guys, this is John F. Powermatic, owner of Powermatic Woodworking Tools, <laughs> the gold standard since um, since uh, for a while now. And uh, I just wanted to chime in on the whole helical head and straight knife issue we've got going on here. And mark my words, I'll give a free planer out to anybody out there who doesn't gain a third horsepower by switching to a helical head. Mark my words. <laughs> free planer, 45-inch free helical head, Powermatic planer from John F. Powermatic, signed personally to anyone who doesn't gain a third horsepower when they switch to a helical head. Thank you. I feel sort of uh, honored that we would get a call from John F. Powermatic himself. It's pretty amazing. Uh, by the way, there's an open invoice. If you guys could pay that, that'd be great. Um, okay, so the next one. Uh, Jeff's got some feedback on curfing the hell out of it. Hey, guys, I wanted to make a comment about your recent discussion about curfing the back of a table in order to get it to lay flat. A few years back, actually several years back, when I was just getting really seriously into woodworking, I made a table out of elm and had a problem where it just bent horribly on me, and I decided the solution was to just kerf the hell out of it, as you guys say, and get it to lay flat. And that actually worked. And the store where I was displaying it just laughed me right out of the front showroom. But I didn't let that deter me. I thought, you know, this seems to be a viable solution. What's so wrong with it? Well, many years passed and my wife and I were on vacation in Paris, and we went to the Dorsey Museum, and I was looking at a really beautiful table that was about 100 years old, and I'm including pictures of that for you to take a look at. And I looked underneath the table, and would you believe it? They had a saw kerf about every three inches, and that's what they use in order to stabilize that tabletop. So is it a viable solution? Yes. Is it one that people have been doing for a very long time? Yes, it is. So I would say that was a very practical response that you guys shared with us. Thanks again for the great show. Well, cool beans. I like I like being able to use like period justification, and I, I, like sometimes I want to go back in time and see what their mindset was. Like it was probably some really lazy craftsperson who's just like screw it. You know, I'm just going to cut these lines in here. No one's ever going to see it. <laughs> but like a hundred years later, we're like, well, I can do it if if they did it. You know. Pretty awesome. Uh, okay, so we got Joe. Got a question or a comment about soundproofing? Hey guys, this is Joe from Corda Madeira. It's my second time sending a voice message. And the first time I had mentioned that I live in a place called Corda Madeira, which means cut wood. No reaction. None. Nothing. I just, I'm just, I don't know. I thought it was cool. Anyway, I've kicked back <laughs> right. on soundproofing. I saw this literally today, the day that you guys released the podcast about soundproofing, a workshop, and apparently there's soundproof paint. Uh, the more coats you add, the more soundproofing you get, which is awesome. Um, I don't think I'm going to do it because I have less than no time, but maybe Matt with the crying baby and upset wife can use it <laughs> that's it thanks for everything have a good one soundproofing Out Madeira. oh sorry dude um soundproofing with paint i've never heard of this uh interesting i wonder how well it works so it's just like like 20 coats of paint it's, a, it's just really it's just regular thick paint, paint. Just the instructions say <laughs> apply 17 coats go in the other room make noise apply more as needed it, it strikes me as one of those things that might be more like it attenuates the sound within the space, but not necessarily going to block it from getting through. I mean, unless you're dealing with yeah. like a, a, a very well, like airtight 
enclosed home theater situation where it might make a just that little extra bit of difference. I don't know. Interesting. A lot, a lot of interesting products out there for things like that. Uh, let's see. Vinny's got a question here about ammonia. Hey, boys. Vinny in Atlanta. Keep up the good work. Uh, I just want to pass on a little piece of information that in all the uh, articles I read about fuming with ammonia, this one was never mentioned, so hopefully it helps someone down the line. I was fuming some quarter sawn white oak little shaker hanging wall shelf uh, with the 29% industrial stuff got from a blueprint supply shop. And uh, it turned out great. The color is, is beautiful after 30 hours. Uh, but an area that I had repaired with CA glue, uh, the ammonia fumes like melted the CA glue and turned it like into this orange, tar, sticky mess uh, that did not rebound into what it looked like before. So anyone doing ammonia fuming, uh, don't do any CA glue repairs before it goes in the box. Uh, on the other hand, however, there was another spot on the piece that I had repaired with epoxy. I'd filled in a little, uh, little bug hole and that actually looks better than it did before it went in. It seems the epoxy actually got darker too. So, uh, CA glue bad, epoxy good if you're fuming and wear a respirator. See you boys. Bye-bye. That's interesting. Wonder what's going on there. Chemically. Uh, an exothermic reaction. There you go. That sounds great. <laughs> Let's call it that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, that's odd. I mean, that's chemicals. I mean, that, that gaseous ammonia is nasty stuff. You got to figure it's going to possibly react with things. I mean, that's what's happening. It's the reason you're doing it is because it's reacting with the wood. So um, unpredictable things may happen. Okay, so Thomas called in and it sounds like he's got a finishing question. Hey, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. This is Wallace from North Carolina calling in with a quick question Hold about... Up. Why do I say Thomas and he says Wallace? What's up with that? You weren't listening? Uh, before I get to that, <laughs> Matt, it's good to finally see you putting that big hunk of metal in your yard to use in the form of a jungle gym. Uh, glad you finally started working out there, bud. Uh, so my finishing see? question, <laughs> I traditionally I've used polyurethane and I uh, want to dip my toe into some of the other things that you guys have described, namely varnishes, wipe-on varnish, uh, and shellac. When would I use those? Uh, or maybe more specifically, when would you guys not use any of those three on your project and opt for something else? Uh, thanks for the show. Thanks for not quitting. And have a great day. It's an interesting question, an interesting thing to ponder. What were the three? Wipe on varnishes, shellac, and what? He know. said, which of those three? I thought he only said two. Yeah, I regular said, polyurethane is uses, right? Oh, maybe, maybe that's <clears> what he was meant. distinguishing between poly and wipe on poly. I guess. Right, 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 right. So I don't I, use poly. The trick, the trick though, is that like it, it's, it depends. I think my answer to this might be different than, than Matt's and that would be different than Shannon's. I mean, it's, uh, there, there's no one size fits all solution. It just depends on what kind of look you want, what kind of finish you're comfortable applying and can actually get good results from. And then what kind of maintenance routine you want for that finish. Uh, example is this desk. Normally I would never finish a desk like this with an oil and wax finish, like a traditional oil and wax. So I took some tried and true varnish oil added a little bit of wax to that and uh, tried and true is a polymerized linseed oil. So it's still perfectly safe. There's no um, chemical additives to it. There's no dryers or anything added. Um, you know, you could use your bare hands to apply it if you were so inclined. Uh, but that's not really a very durable finish when you're comparing it to a film forming finish. So normally I wouldn't use that on a desk, but I've been wanting to try to explore some of these like healthier to be around kind of finishes. And I just wanted to have one in my possession that I could beat up and use and observe and just see how it behaves over time and then, and use that as feedback for other people. Uh, but normally I would not do that on a desk. It's a desktop, right? Uh, a good example. I use these little, um, uh, foam pads, uh, to, to sit on because it makes my butt feel good. No, just kidding. They're, they're foam pads that actually uh, kill the echo in the room a little bit. And the microphone stand, my desktop stand, is actually on top of a you know one and a half inch thick piece of foam. That stops all the vibration from going into the microphone. Well, I left it there so for wait, a couple... So you use the pad to reduce echo and you sit on it? What are you reducing the echo of? My butt. 
Yeah. <laughs> Stuff coming out my butt. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's so capitalist. Yes. And uh, so anyway, the microphone is on top of this thing and it's sitting on my desk. Well, I went this morning to go move it and it kind of grabbed it. And I realized some of the this this foam material had kind of adhered to the top surface. Now, this is a maybe two or three week cured oil and wax finish. But it's because of the nature of this stuff, it's still kind of like active. So something sitting on top of it could react with the finish that's on there. Right. So you have to be aware of what these things are going to do. So now I've got to come in here and like buff this surface up a little bit because it's kind of just ratty now with this <laughs> white foam pieces uh, stuck to it. But if that were a, um, you know, just a wiping varnish or something with a nice film, that wouldn't have happened. It would have been fully at least cured enough at this point that nothing would really stick to it necessarily. Uh, but again, desktop, you usually want something a little bit more protective than that. If I spill something on this desk, it's going to be a problem. I'm probably going to have to, to, to again, buff it up or add a little bit more finish. Uh, but that's what I'm committing to on this project. So uh, I would say for me, if I want some durability, something that's going to last, I'm probably going to go with a poly or a wiping poly. And uh, just in case he doesn't know, the difference is simply dilution. Uh, makes it a little bit easier to wipe on versus full strength poly, which is something usually you're going to apply by a brush. Uh, so it just depends on how you want to interact with that stuff. But if I want the durability, I got to have that film. You know, and there's a lot of finishes out there these days that are, uh, you know, claiming all kinds of durability and then they're also all natural single coat. Uh, and you're not just you're just not going to get the durability you would get from a film finish. There's no way around it. Uh, so it just kind of depends on what you want out of the finish. Anybody have anything to add to that? You guys just want to sit there and be quiet. I'm good. No, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> about it and I use I use a lot of shellac. Um and I'm trying to think about why, um, why I use it over going with varnish. I mean, a lot of times I like shellac because it just dries so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great for like French polish type applications, really, really thin coats that dry, you know, in 10 seconds. Um, you, you really can't do that with, with a varnish. I mean, I suppose you could dilute it out a whole lot, but it's still not going to dry as fast because the shellac is alcohol based. It just flashes off faster. So, um, you know, I think, I feel like I can get a higher gloss kind of quick build the shellac more than I can varnish, but I know that's not true. Like I can get a high gloss finish with varnish at the same time. Just kind of like you're saying market. Sometimes it's like a personal thing. I really like working with shellac and I find that it, it gives me the certain look that I want. Um, it certainly is a lot more of a period finish. So maybe that's it. Like the mirror that I just built was definitely a, an 18th century style piece. So I went with a shellac on, on that to give it a little bit more of that look. Shellac has a little bit kind of different color and you can choose different colors to it as well. So I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of, sometimes you just need to play around with different finishes and see kind of how they end up looking. And, and nine times out of 10, it comes down to, I use the one that I'm comfortable with and I know that I won't screw up. So it's a comfort zone thing for sure. I mean, especially with finishing, it could be very intimidating, different finishes. They don't just like look different there. You go from one finish to another. If you're comfortable applying an oil and wax finish and someone hands you shellac and you've never used it before, it's not just a little bit different. It's a lot different. Uh, and you probably won't have success on your first try. So people are hesitant to switch. And once you find something comfortable, you tend to stick with it. Like, uh, Matt, how many different finishes have you used in, a, in a, let's say the last six projects? I'm going to, I'm going to say no. you, that you've used armor seal on every single one. Uh, yeah, that's about right. I don't have to use anything except maybe paint on the sawmill. If that right. Counts. Right. So that's the whole thing. You, you find something that works and you get comfortable with it. And here's the good thing about something like armor seal or wiping varnish. You can kind of get a range of finishes out of this one product. If you want a more close to the wood, natural looking finish, you could just apply one or two coats wiped on, wipe off the excess. You get a little bit of protection. You get something that actually looks really nice and it should hold up pretty well. But you want something a little bit more shinier like uh, Shannon's talking about. You could apply more coats you know, and get to a, a, you know, really thick film finish if that's what you're into. Uh, but different beasts than shellac, you know? So it's just a, what's comfortable and, and what can you, you know, what can be the most versatile thing for you in your hands? But there's never a right answer. It's always and a big, it depends with this kind of stuff. 
All right. Uh, we were yeah. just talking about shellac, but I think I'll save that question for the next show. Uh, we do have another shellac-related thing, but I think we can move on here. So, hey, if you want to uh, leave us a voicemail like that, you can send us a voice memo using the app on your telephone. And uh, just send that to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. We'll play it on the show. And I think we got a nice little lumber update ready here for Shannon. Give us a, a sweet, sweet update. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. I feel like we get very rusty when we don't do the show for a while. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Lots of awkward pauses, lots of dead air. There's a possibility of that. But, you know, when you get to fill it with cool music like that, who cares? Exactly. (laughs) Who cares? Um, let's see. European woods, they're kind of a problem right now. Um, and certainly, you know, solid woods, things like European beach and things like that have become really difficult to get. Larch has become really difficult all of a sudden to get because it was like, it was the hottest thing, you know, it was going to be the next big thing. And now you just can't get it at all. Mm -hmm. And plywood, Baltic birch plywood itself has become very scarce and the prices have gone up pretty dramatically. And it's kind of like, well, what's what's going on? Like, is you know, the minute that their scarcity enters into the supply chain in the wood industry, people immediately go, oh, my God, they've cut down all the forests, forests, and there's no more trees left. And, you know, we're destroying the environment. We're all going to hell. And really what it comes down to is it's the the global recession that, you know, we went through for a couple of years there. And it's just kind of catching up. The export of European woods is not nearly as large as, you know, the some of the North American domestics. I mean, the North American market is the largest market. And we started to see major problems with some of our just run of the mill domestics, red oaks and poplars and maples and things like that, because the recession put so many sawmills out of business, something like a 60 percent reduction in sawmills. We have many, many fewer sawmills now than we did 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So there's just less guys like Matt out there, you know, pushing logs under a, under a blade and making boards. So the near term inventory, um, i.e. meaning boards that are in process of being dried, um, not like still wet stuff. Um, it's like seven billion board feet of poplar. And it used to be about 11, 12 billion board feet. Um, and that's just because there's not as many people producing it. Well, we've kind of gotten used to that in the North American market, and we've adjusted to that. The European market, it's just taken a little while longer for the impact to be seen. And I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm I'm certain it's at least a 50% reduction in their sawmilling capacity over in Europe. So a lot of the products that we just don't really think about that you use you don't realize they came from European forests. There's a lot of stuff coming out of Russian forests and German forests and things like that, that, you know, just kind of they're like Baltic birch, you know, Baltic birch is everywhere. It's shop plywood. You don't think it actually, it's called Baltic birch because it's from the Baltic region. Um, And just infrastructure has broken down from stem to stern. Not only the sawmills there are fewer of, but there's fewer trucking companies that are actually bringing this stuff out. There's fewer people in the business that are, you know, qualified to do the drying and things like that. And it's becoming an aging industry where people are now retiring out of it at the same time. And there's just not as many people to call. So um, in the last month, you know, probably one or two calls a day from somebody going, why can't I get, I used to get beach all the time. I can't find European beach at all anymore. And unfortunately there's no, like, it's that guy's fault. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> no a new reality, a new paradigm until, you know, until and this is a big until because I don't think it's ever going to happen. There develops a larger kind of infrastructure of sawing. That's just the new way it is. There's going to be less lumber to go around. So um, you're going to have to find alternatives. If you've really leaned on beach over the years, you might need to look at alternatives that work similar to beach, other white woods that might work similar to that and vice versa. So I don't think Baltic birch, I think there's a bunch of other competing factors on the Baltic birch market. Some of it is the fact that there's just not as much being sawn anymore, but there's also all kinds of plywood tariff and crap going on there too. So um, if you have leaned on, you know, 
European woods, the European oaks, um, especially the French oak. Forget about that stuff. Um, you're just never going to see that again. It's because they're, they're, they're just finally catching up. The, the recession is, is caught up to us, and we kind of have to get used to the new world order. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got a tangential so sort of related question here with Baltic birch. So anytime mm-hmm. I buy Baltic birch and I get the four by eight sheets, not the five by five, inevitably I get people who are like, that stuff doesn't exist. And this one in particular, I believe was Russian <laughs> birch. Uh, but uh-huh. it also it seemed like looking at my ticket uh, is labeled, you know, Baltic birch. So, uh, you know, someone in the industry, what what is the story with that? I don't necessarily want you to like give us a rundown of the differences between all of them. Um, but is there four by eight Baltic birch? Is it truly Baltic birch? Or is this one of those things like I'm buying mahogany, but I don't actually know what this really is sort of thing. What's the deal with Baltic birch? So between the five by 10 and the four by eight? Yes. Is what you're saying? No, it's the same stuff. Okay. That's exact what I want same mills producing it. Okay. <laughs> it's just a different, just a different, it's just size. different skew. Okay. It's amazing yeah. how many times if I mention Baltic birch four by eight, how many people tell me that I'm wrong, that it's got to be apple ply and not Baltic birch. And it's like, no, I'm t- it's telling you it's, this is not an American made product. It's not apple ply. It's Baltic perch. Yeah. Apple ply is a brand name from States industries. And the big deal with apple ply is that it's NAUF approved. So it can be sold in California. Mm-hmm. It's non-formaldehyde, carb two compliant, all that fun stuff. That's, that's the big thing with apple ply. The mm-hmm. funny thing is, is I remember, I remember thinking the same thing. Oh, it's apple ply. That's the stuff David Marks uses right. on woodworks. <laughs> <laughs> he always said called that it apple ply, right? <laughs> right. No, it's just, it's a product. It's a brand name from States Industries for one of their NAUF um, non-formaldehyde panels. Um, And actually, apple ply can apply to many different species. They have apple ply that is all kinds of different stuff, core Uh, and face veneer. Okay. Yeah, for the most part, you're going to find, you know, there there are a select number of mills that are producing Russian-made Baltic birch, um, and they're just producing it in different sizes. Um, Gotcha. Yeah, no real... I mean, there are some mills that do nothing but five by 10, but they're also using the same materials. They're getting, put it this way, they're getting their raw materials, their sheets of veneer from the same people. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's what I needed to know. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Uh, All right. So, hey, you know what? You can help the show out. You could first of all help by going to Patreon, patreon.com slash woodtalk and uh, show your support that way. And you can also go to like any place that does reviews like iTunes and leave us a review there. Should I read one? We've got a, a couple since we've been off. Uh, this guy is sure. Willie77 says, came for the Cremona, stayed for the lumber industry update, and Mark is okay too. <laughs> Solid work, boys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and look at this. A lot of love for Shannon here. I'm just here for the butt jokes and the lumber industry update. So hopefully they uh, the whole show. Yeah, exactly. That is the show that that pretty much <laughs> is like the subtitle of the show. Well done. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for that guys. Uh, and, uh, let's see what else you can go to twwstore.com and get yourself a wood talk t-shirt. And we do have some new designs coming out soon that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. And it's riffing on our inside joke tendencies and things like that. I think you guys are going to like these. Uh, so as soon as we have time to, to get those out to the public, we will. Uh, but Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. Okay. We didn't quit. So you can still send us any comments, questions, kickback, feedback, what's new, all that fun stuff. Um, we love it. If you send us voicemails, as you saw by the show, it was pretty much voicemail dominated. So please use your voice memo app on your smarty smartphone and record it. Send it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or if you want to type it out, that's fine. Go to woodtalkshow.com slash contact and you can leave uh, your feedback, whatever it is, there. Of course, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter, I think. Twitter's still there, right? That exists? Yeah, it does. Um, and we're on Facebook. <laughs> so we're all at Wood Talk Show. The, uh, I don't our, know. It's our, just one of those things that my Instagram feed pushes things to. So. Yeah. Our, uh, our president is uh, pretty much the thrust behind Twitter's existence at this point. <laughs> I should, I should. Actually, there's a lot of people. I, I go on there once in a while. There's a lot of people who are still uh, using it as a primary social tool. It's just uh, a lot of people aren't. Well, yeah, it's just their own, their own little tribe. That's, That's cool. It. That's fine. Whatever, whatever floats your boat, people. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I know this was a little bit of a rocky show, uh, but we get smoother as time goes on. And, uh, you know, it's been <laughs> Until we take another break. Yeah, it's been a while. So <laughs> doing our best here. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.